Mr. Clark moved third reading of Bill 23, an act to amend various statutes, to revoke various regulations, and to enact the Supporting Growth and Housing in York and Durham Regions Act 2022. All those in favour of the motion will please rise one at a time and be recognized by the clerk. The ayes are 74, the nays are 31. The ayes being 74 and the nays being 31, I declare the motion carried. And there you go. Premier Ford's housing bill officially official. Passed on Monday, which means, uh, well, it's supposed to mean housing can now be built and quickly. Whether it's here in Toronto, across the Green Belt, that the Premier, of course, said he would not build in. And so then you, you start thinking, well, what happens now? I mean, if the idea of the legislation is to take all the restrictions off of developers and expedite building, the question is, well, when do they start? How fast can they get this done? Because you know, you wonder, are there any other restrictions that can be put in the way? Can the municipalities all, of course, pushing back against the billions that they say they're losing in developer fees, can they slow down permits? Can they refuse to pay for the costs of infrastructure that needs to be built to support the new housing? I guess what I'm asking is, can we actually get anything done now? Mari Simiateki is the director of the Infrastructure Institute and professor of geography and planning over at the University of Toronto. A fancy a new title there, sir. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Alex. It's nice to be with you. All right. So, okay, the bill's passed. I think what happens next is, like, where are we as far as in this territory? Like, it's confusing for people because there are a number of different areas of this bill, what permissions people or municipalities have, what can they do. But essentially, can buildings start now right away or are there still hoops and, and bells and whistles to ring? There's still absolutely planning uh, permissions and regulations in place. This is a sprawling bill. This is the biggest change to the Planning Act uh, in a generation. And so it will take time to move through the system. Uh, there's also the question about the money that uh, municipalities mm -hmm. need development charges in order to pay for a lot of the underlying infrastructure that makes development possible. So there really are some big question marks out there. We need to go quickly. And in many ways, uh, this bill uh, creates all these new conditions that are going to have to work their way through the system uh, as we go along here. Well, that, that's the concern is in, in trying to do things quickly. Have we now created a whole bunch more bureaucracy that we have to create to get around the old bureaucracy? Because the bottom line is, you know, we need shovels in the ground. You know, uh, surely, uh, that we are way behind in building housing. The premier has this idea that we're going to get 1.5 million homes built in the next 10 years. But I look at a plan like this, Maddie, and I think we're looking at like a couple more years before any of this gets started. Or is that, is that, is that too negative? No, I think there's both on the planning side, uh, there are question marks, and on the market side. I mean, the market has slowed, interest rates are up, we've seen uh, development uh, starts uh, slowing uh, because of rising interest rates and because of market demand, but we also know that we have this vast need. Uh, we do have a housing crisis, and I think we have to say that very explicitly. We have a housing mm -hmm. crisis. Adding supply is part of the solution. The question is, where is that housing going to be built, and who's going to pay for all of the associated costs that help uh, deliver it appropriately. And I think this bill introduces all sorts of uncertainty into the system uh, that's going to need to be worked out. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is there's only one taxpayer, and we generally are the ones who end up picking up all the pieces here. But could the municipalities, Maddie, uh, fight uh, the paying of these fees to build the infrastructure needed? Could we start seeing those kinds of games where it's like you can't start the development because, well, the city hasn't done or the municipality hasn't done the infrastructure? That That's the kind of politicking that I think uh, could derail a lot of this stuff. And so I'm wondering if they've made sure in this bill that that kind of stuff can't happen. 
Yeah, that will remain to be seen. And they've talked about now trying to go to the federal government to get some of the money for the infrastructure. Uh, but what your, your comment earlier is absolutely right. There's only one taxpayer. So if it's not mm-hmm. coming from development charges and those moving into the units paying for uh, that infrastructure, it's going to be coming from somewhere else. Uh, if it's coming from property taxes and you've heard uh, the Association of Municipalities of Ontario talk about this, this will be major property tax increases uh, in order to pay for this underlying infrastructure that allows us to grow. So uh, there's going to need to be uh, some collaboration here. And I think that's what's so troubling about this bill is it uh, it was done in such a heavy-handed way. Everyone agreed that there did need to be change to how we do planning. We do need to pick up the pace, but this needs to be done in collaboration. There are a lot of different stakeholders. Uh, and when we do this unilaterally, you then end up in a situation where it introduces uncertainty and that can slow things down. Yeah, I mean, the developer's fees are a huge portion of a, of a home's cost. I mean, they're, they're you know, the buyer ends up paying for that stuff. And so I guess the idea is that the city would end up paying with this, paying for this kind of stuff. But then ultimately, it still comes back on the taxpayers, Maddie. Um, and we're already in a city like Toronto facing a huge um, you know, tax increase because we've got this massive shortfall I- in the budget. And so, you know, the uncertainty, I think, is going to cause, I think, a lot more angst um, for, for people. It's the, simply the unknowns of all of this. And so, you know, great the headlines will say we're building bi- bi- building buildings and housing, but um, I, don't, I don't get the sense that people should be all that optimistic until we see shovels in the ground. I think we should also be questioning where those shovels are going into the ground and what associated services are provided. I mean, solving a housing crisis is about building new housing, but building uh, communities is equally important. And that requires all of the associated infrastructure, uh, the schools, the community centers, all of the daycares, all of the types of infrastructure that make for a great place to live. And that has been funded partly through property taxes and partly through development charges. And we're really uh, at risk here of uh, influencing where development happens, especially around the periphery of the region, but also not having the money to build these great social and community spaces and services uh, that, that make neighborhoods that people really can live and thrive in. Yeah, having a toilet's great unless you can't flush it, you know, or having a house out in the country is great if you can't take transit to get to where you need to go. So those things do, in fact, matter. But again, you know, the other side of this, uh, Maddie, is that we get into these huge fights over the green belt, and where I think, you know, Ford made his mistake politically certainly was making a bold promise that he wouldn't build on it, but he's certainly not the first. I mean, we saw the wind government open up the green belt uh, 15, 16 times for development opportunities. So, you know, we get a lot of politics. They, they all do it. They keep opening up the, the green belt um, and then, I guess, putting back land that they say can go in. Um, the pockets of land that have been, I guess, uh, now put aside by the Ford government for development, do we know how far ahead those plans are? And, and um would those development plans already be in place or are we talking now they have to, you know, look at all those areas and then come up with new plans? Because all that stuff takes a long time. Yeah, we know uh, from reporting that developers have been buying up this land, some of it fairly recently. Uh, so how yeah. far along how far along their plans are, I guess, is, is a bit of a question mark. Uh, the Ford government has also put time limits on when they would have to get started. I believe that's 2025. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, But that's still off uh, a little ways into the future. And I think in the meantime, there's a lot of pushback on this. Uh, this really is problematic in terms of encouraging uh, urban sprawl. And it's setting just another precedent for eating into the green belt and thinking that this region is going to grow uh, outwards. And as we grow outwards, that has huge infrastructure costs. All of the sewers, all of the um, uh, infrastructure uh, and telecommunications infrastructure to service those lands 
that are not serviced today. That's hugely costly, and uh, development charges uh, don't cover all of that in the short term, and property taxes don't cover it in the long term. It's just an expensive way to build, and it will put us in a cycle uh, where we're just going to be continuing to chase and continuing having these uh, high costs uh, of growth uh, for a long time to come. Well, I mean, I don't think we can reach the goal of our, our housing target so without developing parts of the Greenbelt, correct? I mean, are there other areas? I mean, you look at Toronto and it's so dense that, that the you know big solution for us will be like rooming houses, triplexes, you know, duplexes, that kind of stuff. But for us to meet those numbers, Maddie, do we not have to at some point build on that particular area in some pockets? I actually think there's there's a lot of uh, room to grow within the existing growth areas. Uh, and in fact, mm. the Housing Affordability Task Force uh, reported on this as well, that they said you don't need to sprawl outwards, that actually there's right. a lot of room to growth. We, we, we can uh, use underused land within our existing uh, growth area. If you think of all the underused mm-hmm. uh, retail spaces with giant parking lots, if you think of some of the city-owned uh, sites that have huge parking lots surrounding them and nothing up above, we can intensify in ways sure. that are both gentle uh, by adding uh, secondary suites, uh, and garden suites uh, in existing areas, and then redeveloping on uh, parking lots and up above existing areas. There is a ton of room to grow. I think we can we can meet our uh, growth targets, but also do it in a way that builds complete communities uh, surrounded by existing infrastructure and transit. That is much more affordable and a smarter way to build uh, than sprawling outwards, which will have all sorts of negative consequences. Yeah, it's amazing that anything's been built in Toronto with not that provision put in that you must build up as well. It's just such a wasted opportunity. But nonetheless, be lots of fighting over this for the next time, uh, next little while to come. Thanks so much, Maddie. Appreciate it. Nice being with you, Alex. That is uh, Maddie Simiatiki joining us, director of the Infrastructure Institute, professor of geography and planning over at the U of T. So, look, these uh, Greenbelt fights are not going to stop. It's just a thing. But my big takeaway from all this housing talk is that uh, it's going to be talk for a lot for a long time. There are so many fights on this file.